clinical Up. clinical Up. clinical population population clinical population population clinical population Hello everybody, my name is Gabby. I'm Allison. I'm Grant. And welcome to Clinical Populations. Introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy. And today we have a special guest, Carter. Hey there. Hi. (laughs) Carter, how 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 do you pronounce your last name? It's pronounced Schockner. Schockner. Yes. All right. Carter Schockner. Yeah. It's, um, you got to get with your German IPA manual and, yeah. and look, look it up. I know it means chess so. player though. <laughs> it means what? It means, uh, shock is chess in German. Oh. And so it's chess player. That's Do you play chess? Um, on occasion. <laughs> I would like, to, I, I would like to think I play, uh, I play chess with, with, uh, souls. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, I think I have a strategic mindset. <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> Other than playing chess, yes. can you tell us um, more about yourself, Carter? Sure, why not? Um, I guess that's why I'm here. Um, so I sort of came to music therapy non-traditionally in the sense that I my undergrad was in music voice I did a BA um Hmm. I was like the into songwriting and performing and composing and things of that nature um while I was in my I guess first undergrad (laughs) and um yeah, and then I took some years to do some things and worked some jobs and stuff. And then I decided to go back and do the music therapy um, undergraduate equivalency. And now I'm in a master's of music therapy program. Awesome. So, yeah, so that, yeah, I mean, when y'all told me that this was about like songwriters that were music therapists. I was like, Oh my God, that's me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, I really do feel like it's like such a huge part of my, I guess, therapeutic approach is coming from that background. And, um, do, I do feel like going into like my internship and stuff after having some, had some like experience out there and stuff, I feel like it was beneficial. Um, but yeah, just came into things a little differently. Where did you do your internship? I did it at UPMC in Pittsburgh. Awesome. Um, so I was three months at a psych hospital and three months at a children's hospital. Mm. And yeah, it was a little bit of everything. Um, and it was it was awesome. I think that I I think that I took to psych a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think I took to psych a little bit more because of I think my own background with mental health um, struggles and things like that. Um, and at Children's, I just had a immense amount of countertransference. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but like I feel like overall it was a really amazing internship and I got a lot of diverse experience so you're in grad school now yes right yeah yeah and Um, you go to school with Grant right I do look at that (laughs) wow who would have thought? yeah (laughs) I'm (laughs) I met Grant back in September and we were like instant friends and it's we're it's great and you have a song called speckles that we are going to listen to so everyone enjoy
And that was Speckles by Carter Schachner. Um, Carter, can you tell us a little bit about what the song is about? Sure. Um, the, I mean, it's pretty, it's kind of self-evident in the lyrics, what it's about. It's kind of, it's like um, about kind of seeing the universe. That's something like externally expansive as well as like internally expansive. Like, I feel like the, the universe as we know it, we think of as like, you know, out there, like it's, you know, the solar systems and galaxies that are light years away and stuff. But, um, but thinking about that as like, going infinitely inward as well like that's basically what it's about Hmm. um and um what that's what that what experiencing the world with that mindset is like like and I, i think it's kind of like this fluttering beautiful passing moment because i feel like that's when we, because I feel like when we're able to actually experience the world and the universe in that way, it's never like a sustained thing. It's always just like this really short moment of like, oh my god, everything's oneness and wholeness, and it's like such a rare thing. But I feel like that the song kind of represents that for me. Yeah, I um, really liked the internal and external imagery 
you know, it says the universe is beneath the skin. So it's like the universe is this big, expansive thing. But then like mm. your skin, it's like right on you. So it's like <clears throat> combining that imagery or, or grappling with the combination of the two. It got me thinking a lot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like whole, it's like you really, I mean, we talk about, we talk a lot about in our grad program about like holding complexity. Um mm. A lot, I mean, in terms of like holding, uh, you know, the individuals we're working with in all their complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like um, this was kind of a way of recognizing my own or our own complexity as humans as being like just as complex and expansive as like mm. the outer world is. It definitely made me think of like especially the, the lines um, pollinating honeybees choose flowers from the yard till lovers choose the colors for their future home. It like instantly made me think of like nature versus nurture. And, mm. um, you know, uh, obviously the, the, the nature descriptions that you bring in and, you know, talking about the universe and um, things outside of us, but then also the things that like we have within us and then also with the people around us. Um, and it just kind of brought up like that imagery in my mind as I was listening and I really like I would compare at least this song to like the postal service Ooh. in the way that it you know is produced and the sounds that you have and the um the way you layer sounds uh definitely reminded me of the po- of postal service oh that's cool I like that yeah and like the way you sing as well I thought it was very similar to like temper trap oh yeah it's another good one um oh yes <laughs> they're like my they're like one of my vocal idols oh okay well that's good yeah. then i compared you to temper trap um yeah. <laughs> yeah i really i really like postal service too but temper trap like they've always um vocally i've always just been so drawn to their mm-hmm. voice yeah your like intro line just the way you held, held out skin reminded me of um uh what's that song sweet Sweet disposition. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Disposition. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a bop. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> disposition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We have the right. <laughs> I don't think we do. Um, but it's less than 30 <laughs> seconds of it. So yeah. <laughs> we good. See, we're teaching you all legal things as well. See what? <laughs> wow. This is great. <laughs> Love this. It's a community resource. yeah well i feel like we all had very (laughs) different um okay so it reminded me a lot of sushin stevens a little bit and i was like which you know i love so it was beautiful um but also too so i had a very concrete image that came to my mind um when the first line came to mind of like, there's a universe beneath the skin and you all have every right to laugh at me. Does anybody remember the box office failure osmosis Jones? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> so like literally that came to mind, like just <laughs> like concrete way of saying there's a universe beneath the skin. Just like how just, intriguing and interesting like our bodies are in general mm-hmm. like in a very literal sense like that was what came to mind i it also could be because i'm sick but like oh, <laughs> oh. yeah like that was a lot of like the random imagery that like came to my mind but then like what i really love too is that there are these like spaces and hopefully you can talk a little bit more about this carter um okay. like in between the lyrical phrases and like because lyrically it's not a very long song it's like really short and very like simple um but like at the very beginning like you repeat the phrase like i'm so tired i'm so tired and at the very end there's like this very um like very like poignant quote mm-hmm. but like in between like the verses as well and like the other phrases there's this like build up with the instrumental and mm-hmm. It's one of those things that, like, for me, just, like, it visualizes, like, the expansion of the universe. Like, that's what it reminds mm-hmm. me of. Um, just this concept of, here's this one idea, but it's not finite. Let's expand more. 
more ideas that you're learning from um and then further expansion and just like so on and so forth in this ever expanding way if that makes any sense yeah i think it, yeah, it definitely does yeah yeah and the, uh the sufjan stevens thing i was definitely super into them at the time um well, I still am, but like, I, I just remember like, that was when, when I was writing that, I remember that was when I was like, I think first kind of getting into his music. Um, and I definitely had a lot of really positive or, uh, just good memories and stuff associated with his music. And I'm sure it probably, um, his sort of like spiritual queer aesthetic, was definitely something that I was going for <laughs> um, as well as perfume genius, but the expansion, <laughs> expansion, the, uh, those, that's an adverb or adjective. Yeah. That's an adjective. <laughs> 100%. The expansion equalities. Um, I was really into Philip glass and like minimalism Ooh. at the time. Um, and I think a lot of my instrumental, and a lot of my like chord progressions, um, even though obviously it's it's not as like long winded as like a film glass track, just like the um, just like the arpeggiation of like in the building, in those little moments. That's kind of, I guess, from my perspective, that's kind of what I was inspired by. But I definitely get the imagery that you're saying, um, particularly when I I was like really proud of myself for using the word periapses. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I always need to like throw some like vocab word in there somewhere. Um, but it's like literally like the trajectory of a planet moving um, is a periapsis. So it was like multiple periapses. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was one thing I was going to mention the the wordplay you have in yeah. it in each line. So one of the lines is stars collide as we redraw the constellations. So like the C's like the K and then planetary thoughts float and then finite periapses so like the p and the f and the f and the p and then the line after that the thousand questions and then tongues so like there's like weird not weird cool sorry slant rhymes (laughs) there's like like, they can be weird (laughs) (laughs) there's these like slant rhymes but also alliterations in it that are just playful but it also makes sense yeah, I, I this was definitely one. I think I would say about half and half. My songs are like pre-written with lyrics and sort of just like uh, like make fitting lyrics into melodies. This one was definitely one that I like wrote down as like a poem first, hmm. um, particularly those verse sections because I just remember feeling very. <sighs> Like, I just wanted, like, I wanted, I knew it was going to be a short song, and I was just, like, I was, like, wanting every thing to feel really, like, weighty and significant. Mm. But also, like you're saying, kind of, like, intertwined. Mm -hmm. I really liked the quote at the end. Can you talk a little bit more about that choice and um, why you chose to include that? Sure. Um... I was really obsessed with Carl Jung at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is interesting that it was before I was interested in music therapy. Um, mm. But that kind of was like, that was, I feel like at the same time, it was kind of like the foundation for, I like I was in therapy at the time and I remember wanting to like do like Jungian analysis and like I was just personally just like very invested in like reading his texts and um his expansive ideas about expansive ideas about spirituality were really important to me at the time because um that whole album in general was really it was like, I, w- I felt like I was kind of like writing my own mythology to mm. sort of rewrite my relationship with spirituality because mm. before that it was very much like um, I'm bitter at religion and Christianity because they 
made my they made me hate myself for being gay and um this album and this whole process was really an effort to come up with my own way of conceptualizing spirituality that was that was like compatible with how I felt like it it was like mixed in with like my sexuality and nature and all of these things I was like basically just like creating this potion of all these like spiritual concepts and ideas and psychological concepts and ideas um and Carl Jung was a big influence in that and I was like just YouTubing him and like there's really not that many like recordings Mm. of him like speaking but that was like I just remember hearing that I was just like I need to put this on the album somewhere um and the producer that I was working with um who is his name's Dave Douglas he was actually a drummer in the band Reliant K oh wow (laughs) Really? That's awesome. Yeah, so he was like the producer on the that album. That is so cool. Wow. Yeah, and um so he Yeah, so I was like I was like I really want to put this somewhere and he was like super supportive of it and um Yeah, it just was like the perfect moment for that. And I think just the idea of that he was talking about of the, your internal world being like just as real as the external world. I felt like was so um fitting for this idea about the universe inside of you and it it felt like to me as like oh I'm not saying this for the first time like people have already like said things like this um it was it was almost just like a it was like a little like citation of like (laughs) yeah (laughs) drop this little little thing in here that's like kind of similar to what I'm saying but it's 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 like a straightforward psychological way of saying it Hmm. where my way was like kind of like mystical and poetic can you talk to us about um, like your production process and um, yeah, like what sure. you know projects you've been working on recently and yeah, just any and all information about that. <laughs> oh yeah, um, so the album "New Traditions," the um, I actually performed as kind of like my. It was kind of like a junior recital sort of thing almost in undergrad. Um, so everybody that was playing in the ensemble were like music majors at Slippery Rock. Um, we would rehearse just like in like random classrooms in the music building. And shout out to Aaron, my cellist back then. We collaborated on pr- most of the cello parts on that album and... Yeah, he he played. I I really was like obsessed with like the sound, the timbre of the bass clarinet and the cello together. So I used. Is that what's under? Is their cello and bass clarinet yeah. like in the beginning? Cool. Uh together. Mm-hmm. I think that ch- the bass clarinet just plays like the the tonic note at the beginning. Yeah. yeah but- so is it just the bass clarinet in the beginning, or is it bass clarinet and cello? The cello is doing like the the one four. Five one like one two three four going up line oh oh um, and then the bass clarinet's just playing the playing the uh, the tonic yeah okay but yeah then and then they come back in during the like instrumental parts hmm. but um but yeah so anyway i uh it was like a collaborative process to throw that together and like we we performed it wasn't like exactly as the album ended up but that's the first time we performed it was like in the it was in like the concert hall of slippery rock but uh yeah uh as far as the recording process um dave lives in cleveland so it was like a little hop and a skip over to cleveland um and everybody except for the cello player was the same as the original performance I chose Dave because I was kind of, I was definitely in like a very like avant-garde experimental headspace. Um, and I was like pretty aware of that. So I was like, I kind of want a producer who's like more of like a pop mindset yeah. to sort of like balance it out. I actually specifically remember in this song, the harmony in the verses that like ends on a seventh on tongues. I remember him saying like, do you really want to? 
keep that? Like, that sounds bad. And I was like, I like that it sounds kind of bad. Because <laughs> he was like, he wanted it to be like resolved uh-huh. and like, so it was a good collaboration in that sense. It was like, we found middle ground. That's really cool. Oh yeah. And then you wanted to know about like what I've been doing recently. Yeah. This summer I recorded a couple ambient tracks. I've been like very, in the past couple years, like, I would say like my probably my usual go-to genre is like ambient electronic music. And I went through this experience this summer that was like kind of having just like a reawakening in life in general. And um, I felt like the best, I I feel like it was one of those times of like, I can't really put this into words. So I like made a bunch of like ambient tracks. Um, So like on my, on my SoundCloud, the first track on there is called a breath. Um. Mm. So that's kind of what I've been into recently, but I haven't, but I'm not writing and stuff as nearly as much as I did back then because of life and (laughs) music therapy and things like that. (laughs) Oh, and, um, actually I, I feel like I'm like, I'm sometimes I feel like I'm one of those people that like, I just like move on from stuff (laughs) way too quickly and I just like forget to mention it. Um, but yeah. (laughs) Kind of recently, like, uh, I had a, a, a duo project with me and my friend um, who actually went to Slippery Rock undergrad. Uh, her, um, their name's Anina. We did, um, we co-wrote like five or six songs. Um, we kind of went our separate ways this past summer, uh, but we spent like a solid year and a half two years writing some songs and performing um wow and yeah we never really like there's some there's some like videos of us playing on my instagram but we never really like recorded anything that's like Mm. that i was kind of i was honestly kind of conflicted about this because i was like i don't really want to talk about a song that i wrote six years ago (laughs) but i but i also don't really have recordings of any of my new stuff but is what it is you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I feel kind of like in a similar headspace where, um, you know, your creativity is kind of in a different place when you're doing this type of work. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, recently I just moved to the Nashville area. So I'm trying to get back into like my own creativity again. And the, mm-hmm. this voice coach, a vocal coach that I've been going to we were working on some song stuff and she's like, oh, okay, well I want to hear one of yours. And I was like, cool. It's, you know, like six years old. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of like, and she goes, all right, we'll just play it. And I'm like, it totally does not represent where I am currently. <laughs> like this is like right. Ally and I'm, you know, almost 30 Ally. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I was going to say like for both Carter and Allison in this situation, I think that's one of the, interesting things and like maybe you all could talk a little bit about this but like how was it for you to go back and re-listen to this and like have to kind of unpack it in a sense again like six years later i almost feel like i kind of appreciate it more now than i did then in a sense Hmm. because i'm so far out i think when i first released it um i was very much caught up in the whole like oh i'm trying to you know, push this on social media and get folks to listen to it and get people to come to my performances and blah, 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 blah. And like recently I just, well, I just got to a point where I was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. That's just not me. Um, And I think when I experience the songs now, I'm actually able to see them like a little bit more clearly than I was then. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not so caught up in like the marketability of it, which is like actually part of the motivation I had for like pursuing music therapy. Cause I felt like my, as far as music was concerned, my heart was like going in like a kind of just weird crumbling under the weight of capitalism sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, yeah, I'll just say that. (laughs) Um, I just put so much pressure on myself to like, you know, be a, you know, unique artist and write authentic stuff. And I just have a more mature perspective on it now. And I'm able to look back at those songs and be like, they were just 
it it was that was a great experience i'm glad i did that yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know yeah yeah i think i have a similar feeling about mine and <clears throat> it was like the message is very different because i've grown so much as a musician and as a person mm-hmm that I'm very like emotionally removed from it now because I'm not in that headspace anymore. Um, right. So it kind of takes that part out of it, which stinks, I guess, but but not really because it, it was kind of a sad message. So I'm happy, but also it, I don't know, like sometimes you want to be in that space to like really perform it the way you wrote it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't feel it as much, um, which is good and bad, but um yeah, it just it reminded me that like wow, I've grown so much um musically and and emotionally that I I'm ready to move on from this. It was kind of this like, okay, it's time. Like I was really proud of the song. I'm not embarrassed by it at all and it's just mm-hmm. it was a very young me and that's fine and um like I know that I have more to give now that I have more life experience and I'm ready to like share that. And um, I can, like, kind of put that one behind me and just bring it out every once in a while. But, like, I think it's it's time to move forward in my creativity and, and allow myself to be a creative person and not put so much pressure on, like, making something that's perfect like I did with that song. Because all, this, all those mm-hmm. half-finished songs that I have are, like, because I, they're not good enough, quote-unquote. Uh, or, like, making something that'll sell. Exactly, yeah. So that's... I yeah. very much like feel the same way as you, Carter, that I put a lot of pressure on myself, like to make this perfect, you know, sellable, marketable pop song or whatever, you know, other people want to hear when that's not really why I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it because I right. want to share something with other people. So why does it have to be what's sellable? And And I'm starting to really realize that being in an environment where there's so many songwriters that are writing to sell, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be difficult for me and, and that's okay. Cause I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a nice reminder of where I am and, and where I want to go. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you can, it's so easy to, really wrap your identity up in a certain way of creating. Um, it's, it's like this, it's like this environment, this like environment capitalism creates of like, um, specialization. Um, it makes us feel like we need to only be successful in one kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that looks a particular way to people. And then you get your, you know, your identity gets wrapped up in the perceptions of others. And, um, and then before you know it, you, uh, lost all passion and love for what you do because you weren't really doing it for yourself anymore. Um, and I've, and I, and I definitely went through that and I definitely like looking back, I can sort of like track the whole trajectory of it. Like, um, starting when I was 14 and started writing songs and, um, you know, it became like my coping mechanism for, became my coping mechanism for, um, dealing with feelings towards myself about my sexuality and, um, feel like all the like self fixation and self, um, hatred, what went, that went into, went into it. And then when I went to, when I started going to college for it, it's like that started to get that aspect of why I was doing it started to get wrapped up in, oh, well now I'm, I went to college for this. So now I'm doing it for a career. Mm -hmm. So that right when I got out of college, it was like, not only am I still wrapping up all my, my, my baggage and my, my my self worth and everything, but I'm also like, at the same time, I'm like, trying to fit into this particular world and this particular box. And it's just like, that is, oh, that was not, <laughs> not healthy. I just think that like, we find, we find different routes that are more sustainable for us. And I'm really happy that I found music therapy and I'm in a place where I'm still flexible to still do my own 
creative creative projects, but um, you know can support others in theirs too. I actually um, one of my songs that was in on a album that I released with my band. I we wrote it. I wrote it like end of high school, and we released it like second semester, second year of college. Um, but I actually played one of the songs from that at one of my impatient psych groups. Mm. And yeah, it was the first time I had, it was the first time I had used my music in a clinical setting. And I mean, I think it went really well. I definitely sort of had that experience that you were describing before of like, oh, this isn't really me anymore. But I think because like, like obviously my intention was like, I wrote that at a time when I was at a similar age to where these like adolescents that I was working with were in. So I felt like it was like applicable. But Mm -hmm. so sometimes I feel like if you're able to like lean into that, oh, this isn't me anymore, but it still can be like helpful and supportive for other people. Like that can be, that's cool. How did you feel playing it for them? Like, I mean, did you ever play it um, as a performer? So how was that like as a performer versus therapist? <laughs> Ooh, good question. <laughs> I definitely felt like the words that I was saying in the song had like a lot more weight. Mm. I felt like it felt like heavier. Mm. Um, where I feel like often my, when I perform, when I, when I'm, when I perform as a performer, um, when I play music as a performer, I feel like it's, it's always like, it's always like a very cathartic, like, um, sort of flow state experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it just felt, yeah, I just felt a little heavier. It felt like. I definitely felt kind of like nervous about it because I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to like it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think at the time I was even questioning it. Like, oh, I was like, I was like, I I was, I was sort of back and forth about doing it in the first place because I was like, I was like, am I doing this? Am I do- actually doing this for like clinical significance? Am I doing it for them or am I doing this for me? <laughs> like, uh, and I, yeah, I don't that, know. I feel like for I mean all music therapists are creative you have to be in order to be in this field but especially for those that write songs themselves you feel conflicted when you're sharing Mm -hmm. your own music Mm -hmm. sometimes as opposed to like you know helping whoever you're working with or the group that you're working with to create music um and to write songs like I feel like it's a I mean, I feel conflicted whenever people ask me to, within like a a therapeutic setting, to share a song that I've written because, I don't know, it's like, am I doing this for my own, uh, to feed like my ego? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or or am I, um, is this relevant to what we're working on? or is this helping in any way? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The The context of that, well, obviously, if you heard the song, you could probably determine too. But it was like, I think it was either it was either my last session with them or it was like one of the last ones. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. It was it it was it definitely was clinically significant lyrically and musically. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it felt like a sort of like a little parting gift sort of thing maybe i don't know hmm. yeah no i mean it's i i'm not saying you're not supposed to share original music I don't, well now um. that you said that of course i'm like rationalizing in my mind so i just had to rationalize out loud um, i mean this whole season is going to be music therapist to write music yeah right it's gonna so. come up <laughs> um that kind of leads to another question. How has your personal creativity informed your clinical creativity? Hmm. Well, 
definitely kind of how I was saying where um, I, I said this briefly that like sometimes I'll uh, write the words down first and play music to it. Sometimes I'll improvise and like make up a melody. I feel like I always have like a, I feel like I try to go into every creative project, not only with like a blank slate, like externally, but sort of a blank slate internally as well of like, let me try a new approach to this and see what happens. And I feel like that's always kind of, I think it's, it's made my music less marketable. (laughs) It's made it less, (laughs) you know, verse, chorus, verse. I'm fitting into a formula. So in a sense that isn't good, but for me, it has allowed me to be more genuine and authentic and in the moment with what I'm doing. And I, I definitely kind of feel that with the way that I've designed the way that I've approached groups and um, my clients as far as, yeah, just not trying not to get too formulaic um, Hmm. or just avoiding being formulaic with things and always pushing myself to try something new um, or give, give folks something unexpected. So going further off of that Mm -hmm. um, in in our podcast, we try to also talk about um, how the song that we listen to and that are talking about um, could be used in a clinical setting um, mm-hmm. or how elements of the song could be used in a clinical setting. Um, so you mentioned how you used another one of your songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one in particular, um, Grant and Allison, do you guys have any um, ideas about how this song or elements of this song um, could be useful in your clinical settings. I kind of want to use this with a group that I have. Um, We do a lot of discussion, a lot of just sharing. Um, I kind of just want to share it and see what happens. Um, You know, there's so much imagery um, and metaphor that, you know, all of us had different ideas on, the images that we got and the, you know, artists that we related it to, I'd, I'd really be curious to see what this one particular group comes up with and um, the meaning that they make of it. Um, and it, I think it would also just be fun to um, play with, like, Im- improvise, but maybe using, like, electronic instruments and kind of playing off what's already done um, production-wise. But definitely using this for lyric analysis because um, I am really curious to see what they would say. Love that. I think one of the ones that really came to mind was definitely some movement opportunities with it. Um, I just with the way that the music is structured, especially with there being those expansive spaces musically, I think that'd be a really great opportunity, especially like if you're using a song like this. Um, I'm going to reword this and rephrase this. If you're using music like this, especially with like kids that have a lot of energy, like that is a great mm-hmm. opportunity to be like, all right, when you don't hear a person, like this is when you move and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that way. Um, and there's enough spaces in between, um, at least like for me and like in how my brain is processing it to like give somebody ample time to like move and have like a free movement improvisation even and some time to like kind of sit and like recoup um even in that like situation yeah i like that Mm -hmm. it's like impulse control (laughs) but also (laughs) like you really have to listen isn't that what we all just want somebody to listen to us (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I was I guess I was I, I was thinking if I was if I was to use it um clinically I would definitely I would play with I feel like that that um two chord piano ostinato progression thing could be a really good container for um vocal improv or um, 
people putting maybe their own own ideas of what speckles in the dark means into it or something um i would definitely i just because like from my experience i just remember like just how that that just felt really good to me to like play that piano part and like and and just sing things into it sometimes i think at first Mm -hmm. when i was writing it i was just kind of like humming along to it like trying to figure out what this like legato-y sort of line was gonna be um but yeah Mm -hmm. it was just like very freeing i I could just like imagine that being um being supportive being a good container so many good ideas Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us carter oh thank y'all this was so fun (laughs) i had a great time yeah i really really enjoyed this song when grant shared it to shared it to me i was like what is this this is amazing (laughs) and then i listened to the rest of the is it an ep or yeah and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) Like, like i actively like i i listened to it like it's not just like i listened to the song for the episode like this is something that I, if it were on Spotify, I would have it on my playlist. You're like the second person to say that to me today. So I'm about to go put this (laughs) stuff back on Spotify. (laughs) I, I had it on there when I first released it. And then like at one point, at one point when I was super broke, the thing to like renew it came through and I was like, Oh, I'm not paying that $50. (laughs) And then I just, and then I just never did. But you're the second person to say that today. So I will put it on spotify again oh yeah listeners you hear that it's going on spotify <laughs> you, you you inspired me <laughs> but until then you can download it from Bandcamp. but that's more, yeah. more complicated than you want it to be <laughs> no not really no, I, know. I mean it's gonna be it'll be on the show notes guys just go to show notes and you'll find carter's Bandcamp, and you can listen no but to hopefully it. it's on spotify by then too but Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> um, if people want to connect with you. Uh, yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram. I'm like the active on Instagram, probably more than I should be. <laughs> so if you message me on there, I'll probably respond in like five seconds. <laughs> so that's probably- <laughs> I'm working on it, y'all. We all have we all have our issues. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the best way. Cool. All right. Well, we will put all that in the show notes. Sick. So yeah, my uh, my connect. handles taste the rain, bro. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> folks. So, usual spiel, if you would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash clinicalpopulations. We also have the Bop Shop, which is clinicalpopulations.threadless.com, and we have a new design. So, if you would like to get um, our college logo hoodie or sweater and pretend like we're teaching you you can do that that's Um, adorable i'm getting one (laughs) it's great um we have just gotten an endorsement from carter shockner yes um and then and yeah um be on the lookout for the rest of the season we're going to sign off by listening to speckles enjoy bye 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 bye